I just think there's a lot of really good people that it's so easy to get lost in day and age. And it's just like one little thing can just get you a car breaking down, you know, bad eviction. There's just so many things that you haven't walked in the shoes of somebody going through this. And it may sound completely absurd. And then you think, oh, that can never be, you know, but it can be. It really can be. And it, I think they just need to, just to work closer with like people who are good people that are that are homeless and they're not causing trouble. I'm Lorenda Gill, and I was chosen to be a participant in the year-long DBIP program. After going through quite a lot in the pandemic, I got wrongfully evicted in another state. I moved around quite a bit trying to resolve the situation and to figure out what I was going to do with myself. And DBIP gave me the confidence and the power to take my power back and to invest in myself, which is what I did. And so I've taken the funds that I've gotten from the program and invested in myself and my business, which I'm continuing to grow. Hopefully I have a family member joining. It's just super excited. They've treated me nothing but with utter respect. And it was just nice that somebody, you know, gave me help and, uh, and thought that I was mature enough and responsible enough to do something with it that would be positive. Think about the way the world is and the way that the world could be. All of our systems are interrelated and interdependent. There's a thousand different voices that nobody hears. We're looking at a human being, and there's a life story. 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 Connection to the people we don't know that live near us. An Elevated Denver starts now. Welcome back to the Elevated Denver podcast, where we're bringing key topics and stories about homelessness to light. Today, we are bringing you a special episode from our friends at the Denver Basic Income Project, who are giving funds to individuals experiencing homelessness. The goal is building a healthier society, grounded in social justice and centered around improving human thriving. They're nearing the end of their one-year pilot and randomized control trial, and we are bringing in stories from recipients. They talk to us about what they've done with the money, what the impact has been, and what they have planned for the future. I'm here with Leanne, Jana, and Myra. Through the episode, you'll hear Jana and Myra asking our guest questions, and Leanne tying some threads together through the narration. I think you'll enjoy it, so stay with us as we learn more about the Denver Basic Income Project. Before we start, we want to let you know that we went through an informed consent process with everyone we interviewed, and before airing each of these episodes, we sent the recording to the interviewees to make sure that they were still comfortable with us sharing their story. I want to acknowledge that parts may be triggering for some listeners. If so, please take care. The Denver Basic Income Project is distributing cash payments to over 800 individuals and families experiencing homelessness with dignity and speed and applying research methods to analyze the project's impact. The aim of the research is to learn and identify which approach has the greatest impact, including acquiring stable housing, overall well-being, and economic security. After two short pilots, the current year-long pilot and randomized control trial started in November of 2022. 
We talked to a number of people to build our understanding of the Denver Basic Income Project, the experience from folks receiving basic income, and the initial results of this one-year pilot. We talked to Maria Sierra, DBIP's Community Engagement Manager, who has been part of the project since the beginning. We also talked with Lorinda and Charlie, participants of the DBIP pilot, and Dr. Katie Calhoun, a community-engaged social work researcher who is on the team from the University of Denver's Center for Housing and Homelessness Research, running the randomized control trial for the pilot. We asked Maria to describe the Denver Basic Income Project. Maria, what is the goal of the Denver Basic Income Project? I guess the simplest way that I can say that is we want to serve the unhoused community by examining the impact of direct cash contributions in an effort to encourage a healthier society centered around human thriving and to prove that this works. Giving direct cash works. In addition to that is that we recognize and we're opposed to the systemic barriers to rising out of poverty and we support providing cash assistance to those most impacted and in need. And in eliminating those financial barriers, we hope to create a path to equity and social justice for the unhoused. And our organization is committed to justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in all aspects of our organization and our mission. Next, Dr. Katie Calhoun talked to us about the current year-long pilot and the details of the randomized control trial being run to understand the impact here in Denver. The research of the Denver Basic Income Project, it is a randomized control trial using mixed methods, which essentially it's a fancy way to say we're gathering qualitative data, we're gathering quantitative data, and folks are randomly assigned to one of three payment groups. So one of the payment groups is $1,000 a month. Another payment group is $6,500 the first month and $500 a month for the subsequent 11 months. So those two groups are getting $12,000 over the course of the year. And then the third group receives $50 a month. And this group serves uh, as an active comparison group so that we can understand what may happen if folks don't receive a guaranteed income. And there is a big caveat with this active comparison group. In traditional randomized controlled trials, there's a control group, meaning that that group would be treatment as usual. They don't get any intervention. This isn't quite that. They are getting the $50 a month. It didn't feel ethical or right to include a group of people who didn't receive anything. So we got to talk through, okay, well, what what might that lead to for research and how do we balance these ethical decisions with research? And collectively, we came to the decision that it felt right to pay folks, you know, to include, include an income for all participants, even though it was a much smaller amount with the hypothesis that it would be a small enough amount to not make huge leaps so that we could still compare the outcomes for folks in the other two groups to that, to that third group. As Katie mentioned, those involved in the Denver Basic Income Project pilot were randomly split into three groups. There were 259 individuals who received $1,000 a month for 12 months, 256 people who received $6,500 upfront and then $500 a month for the remaining 11 months, and 291 people in the control group who receive $50 a month. 
individuals were recruited through local nonprofit service organizations who serve the unhoused population. Eventual participants went through an application process. They needed to be 18 years of age or older, not have serious and unaddressed mental health or substance use issues, and be experiencing homelessness. Katie tells us about the goals of the program and what her team was researching to understand the impact of the DBIP. The primary target outcome would be housing, you know, folks accessing independent housing. And then, of course, the discussions around what well, what does independent housing mean? What is housing stability? And so breaking down these nuances, specifically, so just diving into housing stability, feeling safe and welcome at, at their sleep location, and then the obvious, like moving into independent, someplace that they rent or own, you know, are they sharing it with somebody? Those kinds of just nuances for that, that stability. But then other other important outcomes too, like financial well-being, health, social networks, and service use. You know, does this change the way that they engage with the services already connected to? So all of these things can be thought of as proximal indicators of housing or things that help people move toward housing independence. So even if at the end of the project, people aren't independently, stably housed, maybe there are these proximal indicators of them getting there. Another important one that we're seeing more and more in the homelessness research community is transportation security. So does this help people, you know, be able to use the bus more frequently or other or get a bike or just ways to get around town when resources are scattered about? So there's just a lot of nuance around these target outcomes. To measure impact, the research team did an initial enrollment survey another survey at six months, and we'll do a final one at 12 months. They are also conducting brief, bi-weekly, text-based surveys. DBIP recipients were incentivized to participate, but not required. To date, they have had a high participation rate, which will help inform the outcomes of the project. In addition to the surveys, they conducted interviews to understand the stories of those participating in DBIP and to identify and improve critical elements to successfully deliver the program. You can read more in their interim qualitative report linked in the show notes. To really understand the impact of the program, we talked to participants. Lorinda and Charlie each sat with us and shared what happened in their lives that allowed them to be eligible for the Denver Basic Income Project. Here's Lorinda. My name is Lorinda Gill. I am the owner of Aston Parker Petcations and Photography, LLC. And I moved to Denver about two years ago and started my business in part with the DBIP program. I had some really rough times. I was wrongfully evicted in California at the beginning of the pandemic. For everyone that was saying how difficult it was to be home in your own home, you have no idea what it was like to be out and about. I went through fires. I had to live in my vehicle. It was always breaking down. <laughs> and I went back to work. Like I went back to work like in the fourth month of pandemic when they just opened back up. I had two jobs and people didn't want to rent to me because I was working and they were afraid of me getting them ill. So I kind of went through the ringer. Everything pointed to Denver. But when I got here, I started out in a homeless shelter. And I was there from... August 24th until February or March of 2022. And that's when I, I think I found out about the DBIP program. 
Charlie, mother of four and an early childhood educator, also shared what happened in her life that put her in a position to be eligible for DBIP. I am one of 12 siblings. I'm from Virginia. You know, I come from a middle-class family. I was staying in a two-bedroom apartment that was 1425 when I signed my lease. I unfortunately was not privy to like all the hidden fees. So 1425 was more so like 1650 a month. And I was managing to do that. But when my lease was time to renew, they bumped it to 19. So it was just money that I I could not afford. So I did decide to go to a shelter. And when going to the shelter, I went to three different ones. I went downtown. I think I think it was to the Samaritan House is where I went. And when I went to the Samaritan House, they gave me a hotel voucher for the VOA hotel. So I ended up going to the VOA hotel with my children. When we got there, it was a little bit better. I mean, I was by myself in one room and I had a bathroom to myself. So that was nice. The rules and the stipulations there were kind of a little bit impossible, you know, in regards to being a single parent and having all my kids with me. And like, it was just kind of hard to maneuver, but they did offer the help and the resources that I felt like I needed at the time. Um, I did work with a caseworker there, which was nice. And with working with that caseworker, she knew my situation, wanted to help me out. And so she ended up landing me in the Lambeth Center, which was the last shelter that I went to. When I went to the VOA motel, I started my job search and I ended up actually becoming a teacher at VOA ECE and I still work there now. So I was a teacher, but my kids also went there. So I was able to get the benefits as well. And my caseworker at the school was the one who told me about the project. Both Charlie and Lorinda applied for DBIP through service agencies in Denver. Lorinda applied through the Stout Street Clinic, and Charlie through VOA, Volunteers of America. The DBIP program was set up in partnership with several local nonprofit service agencies with the hope that those applying would also get connected to services if they weren't already. Lorinda found out about DBIP through a gentleman on the street who then linked her with Stout Street. Here she talks about her experience. I happened to just be, oddly enough, I had, I had lost my credit card or misplaced it or something, and I happened to be down this part of town, and a gentleman actually just grabbed me off the street, and he was like, do you need, because I have all my stuff with me, so people think, <laughs> even when I'm not homeless, <laughs> I maybe look like it because I travel around so much. I guess at that moment, my, you know, I had baggage with me, and this gentleman, like, I have a, like an angel, an African-American man running around downtown somewhere here that told me about the program. And I went to several places and finally caught up with it at Stout Street. And that's where I got signed up and everything. And it wasn't, it was, I thought it was going to be too good to be true because I've never won anything before. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I got in the program. We asked Maria if the cash payments affect the other benefits participants may receive such as food stamps or SNAP benefits, or TANF, which is Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, formerly known as welfare. I have been a service provider serving the unhoused for the last three decades in one aspect or another, primarily families, but in one aspect or another. 
and public benefits is really important to this community of people. Different programs have different regulations. We were able to successfully get an exemption for TANF and Medicaid and People who got the TANF exemption who were also receiving SNAP, that exemption went across the board. However, people that were getting just SNAP benefits did not get an exemption. So the impact is there. Each of those programs has different regulations and rules to follow. Our money was designated as a gift according to the IRS code. So however those programs implement that rule is what needed to be followed. So were benefits impacted? Absolutely. What we understand probably the, pro- the primary benefits that were impacted were SNAP benefits and Social Security. Let's take a quick break. We at Elevated Denver are dedicated to telling the stories of those experiencing homelessness We believe that real stories and lived experience will drive innovative solutions to help solve our community's homelessness crisis. For those of you who believe in innovation for social good, we encourage you to join us for a live podcast recording at Denver Startup Week. We'll be facilitating a session on food security and the link to homelessness, where State Senator James Coleman will interview Gooder Grocer founder Jasmine Crow about her organization that puts free grocery stores in local schools. The session will be on Monday, September 18th at 2.30 p.m. at the ex-Denver 2 building at 2100 Arapahoe Street. Find more information in the show notes. Now, back to the Denver Basic Income Project. We wanted to better understand what the intended outcomes of the program were and how participants have used the funds. Early findings suggest that almost all of the 24 participants interviewed for the qualitative report had feelings of relief, decreased stress, and increased hopefulness. When asked about the impact of DBIP on their lives, Dr. Katie Calhoun from the research team talked more specifically about how participants are using the money. Folks are spending their money to meet basic needs, food, shelter when they can. And then the other interesting thing with that is they're meeting those immediate needs and also are having an opportunity to plan for the future and those kind of bigger changes and saving. You know, that was a big piece that we saw through the qualitative data analysis. Charlie, who was enrolled in the group receiving $1,000 a month for 12 months, told us how she has been using the money. The money at that time was just extremely critical because I was at a point where I was ready to be back on my feet. I had already been homeless at this point for five months. And so I just was ready to, you know, get some type of stability. So hearing that there was a potential for me to have like this allotment of money every month with like no strings attached was like exciting news. The money, of course, was great. It's been helpful in the sense of getting that money has afforded me the opportunity of being able to like get into housing, having it as like a second source of income. I've used it specifically for bills. I've used it 
in times where I needed to pay my rent. Lorinda, who received $6,500 the first month and $500 for the remaining 11 months, talked about using the money to start her own pet-sitting business, remarking that using it to establish stable employment would best serve her in the long term. I've actually used, I put that to work. You know, I got fully insured. I got my LLC. I've, I'm doing some advertising that I invest in. I wouldn't be able to do that without that. Maria talked about the principles of the Basic Income Project. She reflects on how people know what they need, just like we heard from Frankie in Episode 7 and Lucky in Episode 9, and from many others. A little cash and the ability to spend it to meet their needs could have made all the difference. They, like Lorinda, like Charlie, and like the other DBIP participants, know what they need to become stable. We wanted to not tell people what they needed to do to change their lives. Each one of us knows what to do to change our lives. And we wanted people to hear from us, yes, we believe in you, and we're not going to put you into a box to say, you know, do A, B, C, and D, and you'll be successful. You have what it takes to be successful. You need access, access to resources, and one in particular, cash. The feeling of autonomy and agency was also expressed by Charlie and Lorinda. There's usually a lot of stipulations and a lot of untrust if somebody does help you. And that was the one thing about it that was like, you can do, do whatever you want with it, you know. And I was like, well, I'm going to do something good with it. <laughs> I'm going to invest in myself because, you know, that's just, that's the best thing I felt to do is just to invest in me and my business. What did that feel like? to sense that someone wanted to support you with no strings attached and trusted what you were going to do with the money? Shocking. Shocking that I could invest in what, and live where I wanted to, use the money however I saw fit for myself. I'm just grateful for it. So now I was really, I was shocked. It was like really like winning the lottery. The Denver Basic Income Project aims to positively impact participants' financial and housing stability workforce involvement, physical and psychological health, and overall well-being. Maria, DBIP's Community Engagement Manager, talked to us about the impact she has seen and heard as she has worked alongside service providers and participants, including the impact even $50 a month has had on one individual. People use the money in ways that a lot of people will say that they wouldn't. So people used money to get ahead on bills, to fix their cars, to get ready to get into permanent housing. Because of the timing of the launch, some people were excited and happy that they were able to buy their children Christmas gifts and not have to stand in line to get free gifts. That, that, the dignity in that just speaks volumes. And this is a space that I get real emotional about, and that is people shared that they were able to spend time with their family and do things that they hadn't done before. When you're trying to figure out where you're going to live, when you're trying to figure out where you're going to get your next meal, you don't think about going to the park and buying food, you know, maybe from the fast food places your kids every day are saying, can we go there and do that? Or go to a movie, things that are going to bring joy in that space while they're trying to get out of the situation they're in. 
I want to honor one of our CBO partners that does workforce development. And one of their participants received the $50. And when the participant was notified, she was a little discouraged, of course, right? And she got enrolled. And But while she was getting enrolled, our partner was saying, hey, we have workforce development. We could help get you into training. Like, when you're ready, come and see us. A couple weeks later, oh, and at the time, this participant was staying in a shelter, was coming out of an abusive relationship, was just in a really bad way. And she called him up and said, I'm going to take you up on what you said. And he got her into a job training program. She got herself into a really safe and stable place to live. And ultimately now, at this point, she's making more money than he did. And it just speaks volumes that that relationship with those community partners, right? Like that, we're giving this money. And she might have been discouraged because she only got the $50. But she made a connection and there was trust built from that partner. And she was able to step into a space that she didn't initially have confidence to step into. And it changed her life. Lorinda talked about the impact the program has had on her life. I really kind of felt aimlessly lost, and I shouldn't have when this came, when I got chosen, but that is how I was feeling. I was like, I don't know how much more I can do here. Like, I'm just doing and doing and going absolutely nowhere. I don't think I would be in as good a place as I'm in right now. I think it just, it gave me a sense of freedom and more confidence, and I felt safer, especially when I got the initial amount ahead. I was like, if something starts getting too weird where I'm at, I can get up and leave. (laughs) Because, I mean, that was like one of the things is like being in a homeless situation, you're extremely vulnerable to all kinds of stuff. I've seen things I never imagined I would see, (laughs) unfortunately. And so it just gives you, it gave you a sense of a little bit more sense of safety that, you know, if I'm somewhere, I don't have to tolerate what's going on or, you know, be around it because a lot of times you're just stuck around it. So it affords you a little bit more freedom. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Charlie also reflected on how being a part of the Denver Basic Income Project has impacted her life and thoughts for the future. It's definitely impacted it financially. I don't really feel like it's impacted it at all in a negative way. It's always been good to just have that landing money, but I don't really feel like it's made any impact in regards to setting me up for a more successful future. I just feel like it's been like, a staple for the here and now, but nothing that I've really been able to save with, nothing that I've been able to plan for the future with. It's just kind of a little bit of extra money. To be quite honest, it leaves me in a state of worry and panic. It leaves me in a state of like, I don't, I don't know what's next. And it's kind of hard to start to wonder where to come because it's not like this money gets cut off and my, my, checks at work get any bigger. It's not like, you know, they're going to give me a raise because they know I'm about to lose income. So it's like, it really leaves me in this fearful position of like, how do I start to um, stipulate for the money that's about to be lost? So yeah, it's a very scary feeling. There are many people we have met, like Charlie, who struggle despite working hard to pay rent and make ends meet. The cost of living in Denver is high, and many people cannot afford to pay rent without significant assistance. Cash from DBIP helps Charlie make rent every month, but she's uncertain about the future after the program ends, 
when her rent will be just as high and her income will be cut significantly. I feel like something where I feel like I would need more continuously. I feel like the moment I don't need this anymore is the, is the moment I'm no longer a low-income family. I don't see myself right now, unfortunately, being a not low-income family in the next two years. I want financial security. That's my biggest hope. I don't I don't want to work. I don't want to wake up thinking about money. I don't want to go to bed thinking about money. And as long as I can do that, I think I've created a pretty great future for all of us. I just I I just want to be financially secure and I just want my kids to be happy. Charlie was honest that the Denver Basic Income Project was not solving all her financial problems, especially given its short time frame. But she expressed immense gratitude to DBIP. I feel like I just want to say thank you guys. I think it's truly a positive and powerful thing that you guys are doing and creating for low-income and homeless families. I think it's beautiful and I think it is one of the many blessings that this world needs right now, just that small act of kindness, I think always just goes a long way. Even if it doesn't get me far, it's needed, it's wanted, and it's so appreciated. So thank you, guys. Basic income will not solve homelessness. No single program will. But it is a solution that is innovative and aligns with our values at Elevated Denver of equity and dignity, and we wanted to bring it to light so more people can hear about the program and its impact. Let's hear from Maria one last time. What would you say are the underlying values of this work? Dignity, respect, equity, transformation, innovation, direct cash, basic income has been around 50 years. And and it works. It works. It's impacting people's lives. People are finally getting out of poverty and situations. Yes, our goal is for people to get housed. That's why we focused on the unhoused community. But it's everything. It's it's believing in people so that they can believe in themselves, right? Because in that struggle, in our struggle, one day we're on top of the world and the next day we're not. So when you're living on a cold concrete or in a tent or in navigating shelters, sometimes that clarity doesn't always come because everyone around you is is kind of tearing away at that. And so our our hope is to approach and 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 let people know that we see them, we value them and we believe in them. Thank you to Maria, Dr. Katie Calhoun, Lorinda, and Charlie for taking the time to talk with us. The Denver Basic Income Project is still a few weeks away from wrapping up their year-long pilot. They've completed and published their qualitative findings and are in the process of gathering and analyzing their quantitative data. Their analysis will look at the financial, housing, and overall well-being of participants and will include investigating whether there are characteristics of individuals who have better outcomes with basic income. You can follow their work and results at denverbasicincomeproject.org. Tune in next time as we dive into the topic of evictions in our community and how they affect housing stability and homelessness. What's most important about evictions is that there's two types of evictions. 
There's a monetary eviction where it's simply about rent. And then there's a breach of contract, which usually has to deal with a behavioral issue. Non-monetary evictions are extremely challenging. I have only done it twice in all these years. And as a company, we have only done it twice in 90 years. The Elevated Denver Podcast is produced by Leanne Morrison, Myra Nagy, and Jonna Flood. Narration brought to you by me, Nathan Havey. Editing, sound design, and music are composed and provided by Jesse Boynton. Recording and production provided by the Olympic Recording Studio. If you found this episode interesting and would like to learn more about our work, please visit us at elevateddenver.co. And don't forget to let others in the community know about this podcast. It's going to take all of us to build an elevated Denver. Denver.